listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. This is Bob Ambrogi. Uh, this is another special report from the Converge Conference, the Above the Law Conference being held in New York City. And in this uh, segment, we're going to be talking about pitching the mainstream media. We have two guests here who are going to have just presented a panel on this topic here. We're going to hear their thoughts on this. I'm going to just ask each of them to identify themselves. Tell us your name and who you are. I'm John Hellerman. I'm with Hellerman Barrett's Communications, a corporate PR agency uh, with law firms. And I'm Casey Sullivan. I'm the editorial director of a new website that Bloomberg BNA just launched called Big Law Business. Casey, especially, let me ask you, start with you, because you work for the so-called mainstream media here. What do lawyers most often get wrong in terms of pitching you and approaching you? What's the biggest mistake lawyers make? You know, I think that the biggest mistake that lawyers make is not engaging with media. I think that if there's a story that they don't want to get out in front of and, you know, hiding behind their PR people, I think that that is a mistake. I think that more engagement is better, even if it's a controversial story. I think that the risk adverseness is a natural quality of lawyers that, you know, ends up sometimes uh, playing to their disadvantage when approaching media. So, John Hellerman, the same question to you. What's the biggest mistake uh, lawyers make in, in their way they approach the media? Well, I'd certainly echo what Casey said in terms of uh, lawyers' fear of engaging with the media at all. Um, but from a, just a general day-to-day uh, working uh, mistake, I think that the lawyers don't invest enough time, or the professionals that work for them to do this on their behalf, don't invest enough time to really understand the uh, media and the outlets that they are uh, pitching on their behalf. And I think that that's, uh, th- that mistake sort of uh, trickles down through the entire sort of engagement with the media um, to make it more of a, a negative experience than a positive one. So uh, knowing the, the media is the, the big uh, lesson there. Yeah. When you say engage with the media, I kind of wonder what you think about that. I mean, how should lawyers strive to kind of build relationships with particular reporters, or, or what what constitutes engaging with the media in your mind, Casey? For me, yes, you know, personal interaction with reporters directly, without having it be set up through a communications person, trusting a reporter that they're going to quote them accurately and not uh, putting up barriers like, you know, uh, uh, checking quotes, uh, especially if it's on a story that uh, there's no downside to them talking about it. Um, So, you know, I think that, yeah, I think think that's pretty much it, is, um, you know, just, just not being afraid to come out and talk about uh, all of the issues. Yeah. John, thoughts on that? Yeah, it's, it's important when there is trouble to at that point have it be the first time that the firm or the professional is sort of engaging with the media can be very difficult because they have no capital built up. There's no reputational capital between them and the outlet or even the public through the outlet, right? So the idea is that the more you can engage uh, with the media in general, it does sort of uh, mitigate some of the damage that can happen when you've got that piece of bad news that is going to come out or has come out, but that um, perhaps is not as bad as it needs to be because you've maintained uh, a presence in the media so that people know you, understand you, and they're not going to uh, be so new to you, frankly. Well, uh, 
Casey, let me put you on the spot because you're sitting next to a PR guy here. But <laughs> I, what, do you, from where you sit as an editor for a, for the mainstream media, uh -huh. uh, do you see value in public relations firms for for lawyers? Absolutely. Um, I wouldn't. You know, if there were no pitches out there, uh, our website would be uh, lacking content. So I really value pitches, I, I, you know, uh, and I think that the existence of PR professionals is a, is a good thing. Um, so, so yes, I, you know, ab absolutely. Yeah, John, what do you, what do you say? What, what do you tell people? What, what's the value of having a communications firm uh, in this day and age? Well, I think fundamentally the, the, the biggest value is to help educate the, the, the clientele in terms of how to deal with the media and how, to, and how to make their news and the things that they want to communicate appealing so that um, they're more likely to be heard. Um, that's sort of fundamentally the, the, the value. But I would also say that um, there's value in uh, managing the, um, the relationship so that the uh, lawyer and the reporter uh, can immediately have their own independent relationship. Um, I agree with Casey in the sense that we, we really do strive to get out of the way. Um, and, uh, you know, I found that lots of times when we can help, a, uh, sometimes it's just labor, right? That the, the, the lawyers are too busy to write the email that they need to write to the reporter to tip them off about some piece of news. So you can write that for them and you can call. Or you can write that for them and they can hit the send button. And I've found that in most cases when I can convince my client to send it themselves, the response from the journalist is uh, nearly 100% a reply, just as a courtesy because they don't get that a lot, right? So if they're going to get a big name lawyer that's uh, writing to them directly, it seems to me that they're more often than not to reply, even if it's a polite no thanks, but it's more often a polite sure. I mean, because they have an opportunity to create a new relationship that they haven't had in the past sans a PR professional. Yeah. So Casey, you say pitches have value to you. What's the pitch that's going to get your attention? What kind of a pitch do you are you looking for? Well, uh, obviously the breaking news uh, releases that we absolutely need to cover, we're going to pick, pick them up and cover them on merit. Um, outside of that, I think is really the question that uh, PR professionals would like to know if there is a story that doesn't really have a whole lot of news value, how to get that in front of us and ha have us cover cover that. With those stories, I think that including, um, you know, within your, you know, having the pitch not look like a traditional press release, don't present it as a news story if it's not a news story, and to, you know, dig up all of the uh, original uh, insight that we might be able to get out of the story um, and present it in an original way. I think that a reporters at the end of the day are trying to uh, you know, inform people about issues that they might not otherwise know about. And uh, you know, to, to the extent that you can uh, include information in, in the pitch that illustrates something that is little known or obscure or uh, you know, Ashby Jones was talking on our panel earlier about how he was pitched by somebody in Nebraska who he had barely ever heard from and, and that resonated with him because that you know, it was somebody who, uh, you know, it, it just it, nailed a topic that yeah. he was like interested in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so that's, I guess, that's what I would say. And I would also say that, you know, establishing a personal connection 
it, it can be useful. Um, you know, writing a well-written, heartfelt note as opposed to a stilted, uh, generic email that you know is going out to a number of different other reporters. Um, you know, I think that a personal touch is always a good thing. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. One of the things Ashby actually said is including in your pitch kind of a, I guess, a small call to action in the sense of suggesting that people say, well, you know, will you let me know whether this is something of interest to you or not? At least makes him feel like he ought to respond as opposed to just ignoring it. Hey, John, what about you? How do you craft a pitch that's going to work? What's the secret to that? From a format perspective, I think it's really important that you, again, have an understanding of the media that you're pitching and what it is that's going to resonate specifically with their audience. And the pitch really needs to uh, articulate that um, as quickly as possible. Um, I, I tend to, just because uh, people respond well to it, um, start a pitch with some sort of, a little bit of flattery in, 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 in not in any sort of uh, uh, BS type of way, but just really to to engage with the reporter and let them know that I've 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 followed them or I've read them or, and the idea is not to sort of come up with the thing that they wrote yesterday, because everyone does that, um, but to really go back and say like you know I know that a year and a half ago you covered this and I know that six months ago you covered that and I really like the way you covered this and now I've got this story that's very similar and I'm hopeful you might be interested in it, and that to me seems to be a way to at least get a reporter to be like. I'll think about it. It might not work at this particular time, but I will think about it. And uh, I think if you can do that and you have the good content that comes with that, um, you're 90% of the way there. I don't know if Casey... You'd I think that's exactly right. I mean, establishing that you get it and that you understand what the reporter writes about. And I think, as David Latt mentioned on the panel, that, you know, we... <laughs> We have some vanity, you know, reporters um, are very vain and, uh, you know, appealing to, you know, our egos, <laughs> you know, is, is effective. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I was just going to say, we didn't get to, we didn't get to this at the, on the panel, but as far as social media goes, I found that um, if, if a reporter does something and then we retweet the, the actual the placement once it occurs, that really goes a long way to uh, continue to establish the relationship with the reporter in that sort of flattery way in the sense that, you know, if next time they can choose between uh, utilizing two sources and they're both sort of equally good, might say the same thing, they're both M&A guys, you know, they're going to say the same thing. Um, I think that there's something in the back of a reporter's head that is thinking, well, the last time I used that guy, you know, his firm retweeted my stuff and it got, I got, you know, six new followers from that mm -hmm. as opposed to, you know, the, I, Use that guy's source. His firm didn't do anything with it, and you know he was no help to me in my in my 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 job basically, um, beyond just serving as a source for me. So any kind of value I think a source or a, a subject of a story can bring to that story after it's uh, published is an incredible sort of uh, value add for the reporter that's using the source. Does the traditional press release have any role anymore? <laughs> sure, um, not so much as a pitch. Um, but uh, from an SEO online standpoint, you know, it is a, uh, an easy way to craft a story with the exact sort of messaging and quotes and whatnot that you'd like uh, in order to tell that story and then uh, post it online. Um, so you just want to get it out there so it's going to go up on all the sites that will so publish the press release. So it can be found, release. basically. So that when someone's searching, uh, you write a press release these days uh, very keyword heavy. Um, and the idea is for it to go into all the spiders and news bots and Google alerts that people have set up around that issue so that 
God forbid someone like Ashby or Casey don't write about your story, at least it's out there online for someone to find from some source. Um, and again, I, you know, I think this is sort of a trend, but um, there's this difference between uh, the earned media, owned media, right, and paid media. Mm -hmm. And owned media, if it's coming from a credible source, can be just as credible as, uh, you know, earned media can be. And in fact, down the stream where you're talking about social media and content sharing and whatnot, I would argue that um, whereas a shared Wall Street Journal article uh, between two people has a lot of value, so does a white paper that your best friend says, I think you'd be really interested in this, you should read it. I mean, I don't really care where that came from, it came from my best friend mm -hmm. uh, who knows me and is recommending it to me. So from that context, I think, and we talked about this, or they talked about this on the, on the first panel, the Justin, um, mm -hmm. but just the value of the brands as the content sources is, is diminishing a little bit, whereas the voices are still powerful. Yeah. What were your thoughts on that? Do you, do you see press releases as, as valuable to you as an editor? I see them as valuable because they lay out critical information that we need to include in a story. Um, we talked a little bit about law firm transparency on the panel as well, and the way that I think that relates to press releases is that you know, I think that law firms can include language in, within press releases that, you know, make its way into a story um, that just because, you know, reporters don't have the time to go and, you know, uh, look into a certain uh, issue. Like, for instance, if, if a law firm says that they're the largest law firm in the world in, the, in a press release, um, you know, the, if it's a breaking news story, the reporter doesn't have time to look up, uh, you know, well, is that by lawyer or is that by revenue? How are they measuring that? So, you know, <laughs> it's an issue, um, but I, I definitely see value in, in, in I'd say they, they don't use them well. I mean, to the extent that they are using them, they're not written very well. Um, uh, you know, we... And I think lots of, uh, to get them through sort of the editorial, uh, you know, uh, chain of uh, command at a firm, they tend to come out pretty dry. And I think just as a general tip, the more uh, law firms would in allow their press releases to appear more like actual stories and less like press releases, the more um, valuable they'd be both as pitches and as press releases. Yeah. Uh, your topic today was pitching the mainstream media, but John, I'm curious on your thoughts on, on kind of what is the important media for you to be pitching? I mean, how do you figure out where you want to be pitching your stories? What's important? You know, there's so many blogs right. out there covering so many topics. Right. You know, a couple were mentioned earlier today at the, in your panel that are sort of approaching the direction of mainstream media. Above the law is, is one in and of itself that, I don't know, is that mainstream or not? Uh, I mean, yeah, how do you well, see that? In our space, I mean, uh, you know, above the law certainly is not the mainstream media for a general consumer, but obviously it's mainstream media as far as the, the legal industry industry goes, and lawyers, and law schools, and, th and, and academics. Um, so it really is just about the universe that you operate in. I mean, that's, that's what I, how, how I would define it. And every entity, every organization, every industry has a different universe uh, of media that are important to it. And there are certainly, I think, the, the definition of mainstream would apply to those publications that uh, are, are most important to your industry, and then um, as maybe a second tier of that, you know, the bellwether media of the country, and that's the business publications, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, Reuters, the AP, I mean, those, the wire services and, uh, and, and major business publications. And they're all, yeah, very important, especially, you know, we're a 
we're a B2B industry, basically. And so those are the lifeblood. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that law firms at the end of the day, you know, the major law firms at the end of the day, uh, you know, aren't appealing to your everyday average person, um, which, you know, I think that they're appealing to large, you know, corporate clients. And so I think that, you know, looking at, uh, you know where you place a story in terms of that I think is probably the most valuable for firms to look at which is why they love to uh, go to the Wall Street Journal they know that their clients are reading it um, it has an imprimatur right I mean it's yeah. like we were in the Wall Street Journal it, right. the Wall Street Journal is not going to put a source in that they don't consider right. you, you know an expert right I always wonder whether that matters more to the, your, to the client to your client or whether it really matters more in terms of PR. I mean, the client oh, loves PR. to get their name in the Wall Street Journal, right? But but does it really matter whether it's in the Wall Street Journal or on a... I think it matters, but to, to just a, a degree. I mean, I think that the one... Another big mistake, going back to your first question that the law firms make, is that they see the resulting placement, the story itself, as sort of the end result of their efforts to, to get it, I guess. And so rather than say, well, you know, we appeared in Bloomberg today, and now our job is to make sure that everyone knows that we appeared in Bloomberg, and to be able to say we appeared in Bloomberg, and to be able, you know, because otherwise, you know, from a daily paper's perspective, this stuff lasts for a day, and then it's garbage. And no one, I mean, I, you have to ask yourself fundamentally, how do you read the media? I read the Wall Street Journal. I can't tell you who's quoted in an article I read. I mean, you know, I, I can go and look back and see if they're quoted, but I don't have that recall. And so what's powerful to me is when someone would say, like, you know, I've been quoted in the Wall Street Journal 11 times this year on this subject. So I'm I don't have to read it. I don't have to read <laughs> so, it. I so just my opinion the, matters. Though. Uh, yeah, the, it's about using these yeah. things as credentials to help filter you. Yeah. 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 Um, you see it that way too? Every I, I do, yeah. Uh, you know, it's aligning yourself, if you're if, uh, coming at, into this from the law firm's perspective, aligning yourself with trusted content and, you know, getting your voice heard um, by a respected news organization. I think that, that that goes a long way. So that concludes this special report. Uh, we've been talking about pitching the mainstream media with our guest, John Hellerman, partner at communications firm Hellerman Barrett's Communications, and Casey Sullivan, senior editor at Bloomberg BNA and editor of the new Big Law Biz at Bloomberg. Congratulations on the launch of that, Casey. This is Bob Ambrogi. This has been a special report from the Above the Law Converge Conference in New York City. Thanks for listening. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.